Welcome to the latest episode of Public Power Now. I'm Paul Schimpoli, APPA's News Director. Our guest in this episode is Matt Schuel, President and CEO of South Dakota-based Missouri River Energy Services, a joint action agency. Matt became President and CEO of MRES in May of this year. He previously served as Chief Operating Officer at Electricities of North Carolina. Matt, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Paul. Pleasure to be here today. Great. So, Matt, um, just to get our conversation started, I'm, I'm guessing that most of our listeners are aware of what MRES is and obviously joint action agencies. But for those who are not, could you provide an overview of MRES? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Thank you, Paul. Mm-hmm. Well, let me, let me start by just giving a quick overview of who Missouri River Energy Services is. And I'll call, probably just call them Missouri River. Okay. Uh, we are a not-for-profit joint action agency. We serve 61 member communities in the states of Iowa, Minnesota, North Dakota, and South Dakota. Our largest footprint is in Minnesota, where we have about 25 members. We also have 18 members in Iowa, 12 in South Dakota, and six in North Dakota. Missouri River was formed in 1965 and headquartered in Sioux Falls, as you mentioned, and we help basically help municipal electric systems work together to meet their growing need for energy and energy-related services. So we, we come at it from the angles of both power supply and from an energy-related services perspective. So on the power supply side, our goal is to supply the members with reliable, cost-effective, and long-term energy in a fiscally responsible and environmentally sensitive manner. So our members receive about 40% of their energy needs from their allocation from Western Area Power Administration's hydroelectric facilities. So that's WAPA. So those contracts are between WAPA and our members. And as I said, about 40% of their energies are, are, are provided by WAPA as carbon-free hydroelectric power. Over and above those allocations, uh, Missouri River provides supplemental power from a diversified portfolio of resources. And this includes additional hydroelectric power from our Red Rock uh, Hydro Facility, combinations of wind and solar spread throughout our our area. Uh, We have a small entitlement of nuclear energy from the Point Beach plant in in Wisconsin. We also own some natural gas facilities, and we owned a a coal-fired unit in Wyoming as well, along with diesel generators spread throughout our membership. So this diversified portfolio provides those requirements over and above the 40% that's supplied by WAPA. And our total generating capacity serving members, including WAPA, is approximately 1,140 megawatts. And our members serve about 332,000 people throughout the region. So overall, when you look at our power supply portfolio serving our membership, we're at about 45% of renewable resources supplying the membership. When I flip over to the other side and look at the energy services side, where we provide any number of services to our membership to help them be successful in the long term, let me just highlight a few of the things. I can't do it justice in this short period of time to go through all of the things we do for our members, but I do want to highlight a, a few things just to give a flavor for what Missouri River does for its membership. We happen to be split. We have to serve load in both SPP and MISO. So one of the main services we provide is is ensuring that we have a reliable, cost-effective power supply in both of those regions. So our planning services, along with uh, transmission planning, are critical to the long-term success of our membership. In addition to those, you know, many of the joint action agencies across the nation provide additional services to help, especially the smaller members who may not have the staffs 
to you know support their operations. So we have a number of programs on, and as I mentioned, I'll just highlight a few of them here. You know, energy efficiency programs are a, a big focus at MRES. Um, we we provide programs and cash incentives to customers, you know, lighting, uh, motor rebates, whatever it may be. So it kind of doubles as both a power supply function, reducing consumption, and also a customer service function as well. We do uh, coordinated demand response and assist our members with that. We also get into the advanced metering infrastructure, AMI, fairly common across the nation for joint action agencies to provide that service to members. We also provide some distribution maintenance services uh, for communities that can't necessarily maintain their, their systems in the way they'd like to. Uh, we look at electric and water rates and uh, help the members assess their rates and develop new rates as needed, and uh, also provide uh, information to help them communicate the value of public power through our Municipal Power Advantage program. And then finally, I'll just mention that uh, cybersecurity services, assessments and services, that of course is a big issue today for all electric utilities to ensure you know, protected cybersecurity programs. So we, we do a really good job of providing the membership access to assessments and services related to that. And then finally, I'll mention CIS and billing services, you know, making sure that we have good systems that the members can tap into for both uh, customer information and billing services. So, Paul, those are kind of some of the things that we do on the power supply side and on the energy services side as well, kind of a, a full, full complement of, of services for our membership throughout the four-state area. One of the things I do or I try to do when I when I interview officials such as yourself that are, are have you know been in, in your position say over a couple of months is try to get a better sense in terms of, of priorities in terms of their roles as they as they um, take over a, a leadership role at a given entity. So could you talk about your priorities since becoming president and CEO? Sure, that's that's a good question, Paul. Thanks for asking that. Uh, I'll come at it from from two angles. You know, as far as my personal priorities, stepping into this role, you know, anybody who is familiar with MRES knows that it's a well-run organization, always has been, and hopefully will continue to be. I know it will continue to be. Mm-hmm. You know, so stepping into shoes of of a, a successful CEO and, and well-run organization is is a, is a challenge, and I want to make sure that uh, this family-type, well-run organization is, continues to thrive in its current environment. So my first priority is to make sure I don't mess it up. But seriously, though, people and culture at, uh, at in public power are the most valuable asset. And I want to make sure that as I came in here and, and get my feet underneath me and, and learn the organization, that my first priority is, is making sure that you know, we, we continue to, to value and, and uh, uh, our, our employees and our culture. And so one of my initial priorities is to make sure I focus on those efforts. And I've spent a lot of time building relationships with staff, with our board, with our membership, with our legislators as well, having, having a four-state footprint. It's a critically important that uh, we start, I start developing those relationships with the legislators and our business partners as well. And I was very fortunate when I came on board that uh, the timing was such that uh, we actually had the Missouri River Annual Conference that started in May, I, you know, the same week I started. So I was able to, to meet everybody at that. We also had the APPA National Conference, of course, came up in June where I got to network with a lot of our business partners. We also did a strategic plan retreat 
uh, in July. So only a couple months under my belt, and I, I got to, to jump into the strategic plan and really dig into the business with the board and get us all on the same page, and that was exceptionally helpful. And then finally, I, we had the APPA fly-in, policymakers fly-in in July and got a chance to uh, go with our delegation to meet with our legislative representatives. So from a personal standpoint, you know, really trying to make sure that uh, the, the employees, the culture of, of Missouri River, uh, we continue to carry uh, success forward in those areas. So a lot of travel and a lot of uh, opportunities to, to see folks and just learn, learn what's important to them and make sure we keep the eye on the ball with those. I've also done a lot of, uh, you know, meeting with staff to, to learn the business as well. And that, that's really, uh, they've done an outstanding job of bringing me up to speed with one-on-one -on -one trainings. And it's been a great chance to meet the, the folks as well. From uh, Missouri River's business priorities perspective, as I mentioned, we spent quite a bit, a few days on our strategic plan retreat where we kind of re didn't do a full redo of our strategic plan, but more of an update and make sure that we adjust it as appropriate for the next several years of priorities. So uh, we were able to go off site and spend some time reviewing that strategic plan and tweak it as appropriate. And I'll just share with you kind of our, our strategic priorities coming up for the rest of 2023 and throughout 2024. And we, we, we really have five of them here that I'll just hit at a high level. And, and hopefully we talk about a few of them here in a little bit. But it's, it's really around people, retaining and attracting people, both at Zuri River and at our membership, maintaining financial stability through long-term planning, especially in this uncertain environment, creating a reliable and clean energy future. So we, we've got a, a mandate in Minnesota where we've got a 55% renewable requirement by 2035 and 100% carbon free by 2040 that will definitely impact our power supply portfolio and how we comply with those laws given that we're a four state entity that, that, that causes us some, a little bit of heartburn. Mm. Uh, leveraging new technology, you know, using demand response, AMI, CIS billing, things like that. And then preserving our membership and sales and communicating the value of public power. Those are kind of the key areas that we we have on our priorities as, as Missouri River. And now that we've had that strategic plan session and kind of memorialized those, we're moving into implementation of that plan where we develop the implementation plan, uh, develop the individual goals of employees, and provide everybody that line of sight to the strategic priorities and uh, appropriately budget funds to make it happen. So that's kind of where I'm at with all the prioritization of uh, things at Missouri River, both on a personal and on a business front. Earlier, you touched upon, actually in great detail, how Missouri River is helping its members um, to be successful in the longer term. And, and one of those areas, obviously, for, for across the utility sector is workforce issues. And so wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about how Missouri River is helping its members uh, successfully address uh, workforce challenges. Sure. That, that, and that is a, you know, when, you, when you, we do our surveys with our membership, that tends to pop up as number one, which is workforce. Mm -hmm. How do we, how do we, you know, attract, retain, train, develop um, not only frontline employees, but leaders and future utility directors and 
And uh, so at Missouri River, we've worked with our board and our membership to approach it from a couple of different angles. The, the first angle is to approach it from a, an education and support and tool perspective. So in, in the area of training, we've got a couple of uh, very good leadership development courses. You know, once we get good people into the communities and into MRES, we want to make sure that we develop them and get them ready for those leadership roles. Or if they're already leaders, you know, develop their skills even more. So we actually have a Municipal Power Leadership Academy. The next one actually starts in a couple of weeks where we do a deep dive into, you know, not only Missouri River business and help them understand their relationship with Missouri River, but also digging into governance and how how rates work and things like that. So it kind of hits both the power supply side from Missouri River's perspective and also gives them the tools at the local level to help them grow and develop there. And we also have a leadership excellence and development course. We call it the LEAD course, you know, uh, another version of just, again, leadership development and excellence. So a couple of things there. We also have a supervisor essentials course, which is kind of a development course, more of a basic blocking and tackling, if you will, of supervision. And then in addition to that, we provide our members an opportunity to post their job openings on our website. We also provide, uh, well, we're working on currently a succession planning packet to give to our membership to help them develop succession plans. Also job description templates, some of those things that you know, are, are really nice to have, and you just don't have the time to get to. So we're, we're trying to focus on those basic tools to give to our membership. The other angle we are going at it from is kind of a fill the gaps kind of uh, approach where, you know, our, some of our communities just have either gaps in skill set. They can't fill certain roles. They're struggling to pay line workers appropriately, whatever that may be. So we try and fill those gaps where it makes sense. Um, We can't do everything for everybody, but where we have a critical mass of need, we try to grow the resources around it. So that's where the technical support for AMI, uh, billing systems, support in retail rate studies and, and rate development, cost of service studies, just to name a few, so we kind of fill those gaps for them because they don't maybe have that expertise on site or, you know, they, they feel like they need somebody from the outside to be that uh, that expert. And the other area we get into that's a little more unique, a few others, I believe, get into this from the Joint Action Agency perspective, is the distribution maintenance program. In, in some cases, our members have had challenges in, in one way or another in um, staffing their line workers, making sure they can maintain uh, and uh, maintain their systems well. Uh, so we we currently operate uh, seven communities electric systems with MRES employees and uh, help those communities run their systems and act essentially as a division of the community to to step into that role for them. And in many of those cases, I mean, all those cases, they've been successful in in the community and MRES has has been kind of a a winner, if you will. So those are the kinds of things uh, we we do to try and and help from a workforce perspective, uh, in addition to some of the things that we do for training when we have our annual conference. We also have a Tech Days seminar meeting, if you will. We have one coming up at the end of September where, where employees from the communities can come in and learn about the technical side of the business. 
So that, that kind of covers the, the workforce issues and how we address some of those with our members. Yeah, and so I, I guess it's fair to say, or simplistic even, to say that the workforce challenges or something, it's an issue that's it's not going to go away anytime soon, right? Yeah, you just kind of keep feeding it and, and uh, yeah. try and find different ways to, to attract, grow, and develop folks and show them the value of working in the communities or, or places like MRES. Yeah. So now you mentioned the Municipal Power Advantage program earlier in our conversation, which the, the, the program relates to economic development. So could you offer additional details on this program? Sure. This is our attempt to quantify both the financial and uh, other benefits of a, a community owning its own electric system. Mm. Oftentimes, folks, either elected officials residents of the community don't understand how, how valuable it is to have that electric utility owned by the community and all the value it brings to the community. So the Municipal Power Advantage Program is our attempt to bundle up all of the financial and other benefits the city receives by having a municipally owned electric utility. And the goal of this is to kind of put into writing, into a nice brochure, nice actually package, the value of the benefits the, the utility provides the city. And it can be used as a means to educate the policymakers and customers about that financial and other benefits. Uh, so it is, it is really a report that's created by Missouri River with the assistance of the community to put together this, this comprehensive look at the value of the utility in many aspects and essentially present it to council and other groups and turn it over to the community to then spread across their communication channels in order to essentially push the value of public power. And so it's, it's in effect an ongoing educational tool, it sounds like. It, it is. And, and yeah. that's, that's a lot of the challenge is people can't understand. You say, well, it's valuable to the community. Well, how is it a valuable community? Mm -hmm. Well, here, it's you have lower rates than your your neighbors. You have greater reliability than your neighbors. You have local control. You have local service. You've got control of economic development. You do transfers to the general fund. The electric crews put up the Christmas decorations. You've got a lot of other in-kind services. You've got mutual aid between the communities. That saves you a ton of money instead of using contractors. You control your power supply mix. I mean, on and on and on, there's a laundry list of things that show up in that report that really demonstrate how valuable the electric system is to that community. So one of the things uh, that jumped out at me as I was preparing for this interview is the relationship between um, uh, well, the Western Municipal uh, Minnesota Municipal Power Agency and MRES, um, and more and with respect to the that Minnesota agency's financing the construction and acquisition of generation and transmission facilities for MRES. Could you expand on that relationship? Sure, be happy to. I'll try and keep it simple because some of these uh, relationships get rather rather complex, as you can probably imagine. So, right. uh, Missouri River Energy Services was, uh, as I mentioned before, was formed in the mid '60s, and it was actually formed under Iowa law as a municipal mm -hmm. joint action agency. And it was formed to provide supplemental power above the WAPA allocations that I mentioned before to its members. But as as the demand grew for power over time and the membership. Missouri River saw the need to develop its own generation resources, but unfortunately, the Iowa law did not authorize or allow Missouri River 
as a joint action agency to issue bonds to finance the construction of new resources. So in 1976, about 10 years later or so, the Missouri River Energy Services members formed Western Minnesota Municipal Power Agency as a, as a Minnesota Municipal Power Agency. So it was established under Minnesota law. It expressly includes the authorization to issue bonds. So it is the entity that issues the bonds and owns the assets. So this relationship has, has worked really well for the last 50 years. So Western Min finances and owns generation and transmission resources. There is a long-term power supply contract between Western Min and Missouri River Energy Services, whereby Missouri River is entitled to all output and use of the resources from Western Min, and Missouri River agrees to pay Western Min for all the costs associated with those resources. So it's basically a pass-through of all generation from the units, all the cost of the units to Missouri River, and Missouri River, in turn, has long-term power supply contracts with its members to support the purchase of the power by Missouri River from Western Min. So there's kind of the, the relationship between Western Min, the owner of the assets, Missouri River, the purchaser of the output and the responsible for the costs with Western Min, and then the members who buy all that power from Missouri River and pay the rates in order to support Missouri River's uh, payments to Western Min for the assets. So that it's, you know, a little more complicated than it probably needs to be, but it's because of the four-state issue. And, uh, you know, Missouri River also serves as, as the administrative agent for Western Men. So Western Men does not actually have any employees. Missouri River actually administers that agency for them. So it, it's worked well over the 50 years. Western Men currently has an excellent bond rating. We're AA- minus with Fitch and recently got an upgrade by Moody's to AA2. So uh, it, things are working pretty well with that arrangement. Well, thanks so much for taking the time out of your day to speak with us. It's been a really informative conversation and uh, love to have you back maybe a year or so from now to kind of revisit some of these and, and other issues. I would love to do that, Paul. And I really appreciate you taking the time to, to speak with me today and ask some good questions. I, I greatly appreciate it. Sure thing, Matt. Thanks again. All right. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Public Power Now, which is produced by Julio Guerrero, graphic and digital designer at APPA. I'm Paul Champoli, and we'll be back next week with more from the world of public power. <laughs>